What I'm doing is I'm showing people how to read faster, how to use the psychology to make better sense out of what they're reading and analyze things that confuse them to make sense of them, what to look for and how to know when you found it, how to stay in the right state so you don't get tense or nervous when you're using the information, and how to remember it so you can use it when you need it. And when you put all that together, now it's not just speed reading, it's about learning, in which reading plays a role, but it's not just for reading, it's for ebooks, it's for lectures, it's for any kind of learning. Welcome to the Step Up Podcast, where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others. And on today's show, I welcome the world's fastest reader. Howard Berg. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you, Howard. It's a pleasure. So I watched a video of you reading. <laughs> was that the Obamacare? It was like 1,500 pages. Yes, that was the, it was actually three versions. Senate version was 1,500 pages. That took 50 minutes. The House version was 2,000 pages. That took 58 minutes. And the bill they passed was the combined bill was 2,600 pages. And I read that too. And that was 90 minutes. So I read all three. They need you in Congress just to like read all their stuff and understand it and tell it to them. They don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to understand it. They just want to pass bills. That's true. <laughs> yeah. If they had to understand it, then they would be doing what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. So you're, when did you, you're in the world, you're in the Guinness Book of World Records as the fastest reader. Has anyone tried to surpass you? Yes. I'm the only person who ever got in. I got in in 1990. And the reason most people have one source of proof, they'll send a newspaper clipping or a video from a show. I was in five cities and five news shows, five cities, different cities, and five newspapers. So I had 10 different items, and they all were the same. And they said, no one's ever done that. They've only had like one thing from one place. They said it's pretty hard to imagine 10 reporters in 10 cities all being your cousin or your close friend. So that's <laughs> how I got it. And they never did it again. It was in 1990. So it's been a while. I read 80 pages a minute. Wow. <laughs> What's the process like to go through the Guinness book? Like, do you have to apply, like write somebody? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. You have to submit your evidence and document it. And then they, they review it. And if they feel it meets their criteria, they'll include it. And sources. And they said, that's very unusual. Most of them had one. Oh, <laughs> wow. Most have one. So I had 10. Yeah. Well, that's impressive. I would imagine they would want more than one. I don't write the book. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> have you read it? I can't comment on their editorial process. I don't have, they have they don't really consult with me on that. <laughs> Maybe they should, but they don't. Have you read it, the Guinness book? Yes, I read the one I was in. Wow. It was fun. You know, it's always nice. But I'll be honest with you, for me, getting in the book gets me on shows, but I'm really more interested in helping people because mm. if I'm the only one who can do it, it doesn't really make a difference to anyone. But if you and your kids and your family can read not 80 pages a minute, but two, three, four times faster, 
and remember it and understand it, that's a game changer. So I always felt what I can do for people was more significant. But you need a reason people want to talk to you. And being in Guinness is a good reason. So I'm grateful that I was in it for that reason. But I don't really think it should be about me as much as how we can help people. Because we live in a knowledge-based economy. And a lot of people are suffering. You used to have a college degree, you worked hard, you got a good job, you made a living. That isn't true anymore. There's some very smart, educated people struggling just to pay their bills. So it isn't enough anymore to just have an education and work hard. You have to get smarter or you're going to be in trouble. And Mm -hmm. more and more people are in trouble because they don't know what to do. And I can fix that. And that's really what I think I like to focus on. That's amazing. I love that you want to help people. That's such a great gift to the world. Rotary. Rotary. Yeah. See, I'm a Rotary president. Awesome. Yeah, we do a lot of work. I work with kids in Maui. They have no money. Mm. They can't buy food. They can't pay for a program. So I donated it to a school. And I just donated last week to a school in Haiti. Same thing. They can't buy food. They're not going to buy a program, but they need it. So you help. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. Well, and you came from a very rough background. You grew up in Brooklyn. Yes. Can you talk a a bit about that? Sure. I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. She Google it. It was called the Old West. It was crazy. I was mugged over a hundred times. It was West Side Story without the music and dancing. Mm. I met Bernardo, literally had a knife, put it to my throat. I had beaten with bats. My dad was pistol whipped. We moved when they raped an 88-year-old man. So when I say it was a tough neighborhood, it was a tough neighborhood. But there was one safe place, the library. Gang kids treat libraries like vampires treat sunlight. So I was very safe in the library. I never saw one kid from a gang there ever. And I read a lot because that was the only safe thing to do. It was kind of like, you can stay here and read or go out and get beaten with a bat, which would you prefer? Mm. I mean, the worst you got from a book was a paper cut. It wasn't quite as bad as a knife. So I got pretty good at it. I had college reading when I was 11, because that's what I did. And I went to college at 17. I majored in biology. And then uh, it was at the State University of New York, Binghamton, which is the flagship university for the state. And in my junior year, my second term, I got interested in the brain. So I told the dean, I want to major in psych too. I want to be a psychobiologist. That's not a psychotic biologist. That's Frankenstein. <laughs> Psychobiology is the biology behavior. And he said, Howard, you're a second term junior. You haven't had any psych courses. You have to take four years of psych in one year and bio. And I also needed to take two four-hour labs. Lab reports took 16 hours because he did them on a slide rule. So it was at 40 hours of lab. 18 credits of science, and I had three jobs. I was working 18 hours a week. He said, you're not smart enough. And that's when I realized they didn't teach me how to learn. Wow. Tell you what to learn, why to learn, what will happen when you don't learn. But now when you hear a song once on the radio, you know it your whole life. And then you read the seven habits of highly affected people, and you don't know any habits the next day. It's got to be a way to learn things the way you learn songs. I got up to 80 pages a minute using what I learned about the brain. I did the psych program in one year. I took the GRE, which is like an SAT for graduate school, and biology. So to review, I looked at like 48 books I had used. 
uh, biochemistry, cell physiology, genetics. I got three questions wrong. So I was in the 99th percentile. I got an 800. And then it was like, gee, is it me or the program? Because if it's me, then that's nothing. If it's the program, then it's a big deal. So I taught kids 11 to 15, same system. They did 30 chapters in lifelong developmental psych, a sophomore college course in a week. And 15 out of 18 passed the AP test for full credit after one week. And they were 11 to 15 years old. So now, now it's a whole different thing. I'm reading fast. It's, it changed the world. And that's really why I do shows to tell people there's a way to learn two, three, four times faster, with better results, and it works. And it's been proven. So it was your studying the brain that you were able to develop this technique? They were making monkeys smart and rats, fish. I was like, what about people? <laughs> this information is great. I said, look at all the things we know about the brain and how it remembers, how it learns and what it wants. Why don't we teach this to people yeah. to help them do something in their lives? And they weren't. They were doing it with animals. So I looked at the practical applications for what I was being taught. And that's how it started. Wow. That is so interesting. So when you were reading, were you thinking, how many books did you read in a day before you started this technique? And how many can you read in a day now? Well, I could tell you my reading speed when I started to read faster was 3,000 words a minute. And the normal speed is 200. So before I learned to read fast, I started at 3,000. That was my beginning speed. When I'm reading slowly, I'm reading about 3,000 words a minute. Wow. When I'm reading fast, I'm reading a page and a half a second. But I use that more for scanning, for what do I need to learn? How helpful this be? And it varies. If it's a topic I really know that I've studied, I can read very fast and get very good details. If I don't know any names or words or concepts, I have to learn from scratch a brand new topic. It takes more time because I have to absorb things that aren't in my memory already. And that's a mm -hmm. different side of the learning process. Both are important. I still read much faster than normal, but I'll read quicker if I already know who the people are and what they did, what the formulas are and how they worked. And I have to memorize a formula or learn a new name. Those take more time, but not a lot of time when you do it the right way. Right. And you're helping people to read faster is so needed because in a society where we're overrun by information, I know I'll get, you know, I'll just kind of read headlines sometimes and we don't read the whole article because we don't have time. That's a technique I was told. But then you're actually missing out and people will, because, you know, on, online, people will say, oh, that's horrible. And it's like, did you read the article? Well, no. <laughs> and so they think they know what the article said. Right. So do you find that you're helping people Obviously, I guess it makes all of us smarter because we're able to take the same amount of time that we have, but we can use your techniques to read more and that helps us all so we're not as ignorant in all these. <laughs> I can give some examples. Yeah. Micah Stanley passed the bar in California at 19 with this. Brad Voller did four-year university in six months. Learned Chinese in three weeks, became a missionary. Sold his company for $38 million when he was 40. Let's uh, see. Steve and Terry graduated UTA at 16 with a 4.0 economics major. 
Masters in Math at OU at 19 with a 397 GPA, professor at Yale. Justin Brummett was a C student, normal kid, learned how to learn, which is what we don't teach in school. First, we teach the kids how to learn. He finished high school at 15, associates at 17, bachelor's at 19, master's in English at 21, English professor at 22. Ruth Lubin was 84. She read three books in three hours the next day at 84, so it's not an age thing. I trained the U.S. Special Forces at Fort Bragg, the Royal Thai Army in Bangkok, and the Canadian Armed Forces headquarters in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing it, and I love seeing the results people are getting. It makes me feel I'm doing something useful with my life. Yeah, that is amazing. When I was at university, I felt overwhelmed with all the books and the reading, and I I was like, I wish I could read faster. So <laughs> you can. It takes a few hours. We did a double blind study. Everyone doubled or quadrupled in four hours with no loss of comprehension. We used the Nelson Denny, which is a standardized test. And we did a split test to make sure the second test didn't make them look smart because it was easier. So we did 50 did A and B and 50 did B and A, and it didn't make any difference. Mm. They all doubled the quadrupled. So it's easy. I also wrote a book in five hours and it went number one on Amazon the next day. So it's not reading is input and writing is output. They're very, very close. Amazing. And how they work. Wow. And you've traveled quite a bit helping people. Like we were talking about, I saw you on a clip on the Deanie Petty show, which (laughs) which was a show here in Canada I used to watch. And it was nice. She was reading and you were reading and she got like a paragraph and I think you got seven pages within a few seconds. Yeah, she's very (laughs) nice. I liked her. She was very kind and she was a good interviewer. She treated her guests with a lot of dignity. Not everyone's like that. Some of them are more vicious, like a Howard Stern kind of an interview. Oh, have you been on Howard Stern? I don't want to talk about it. It was awful. Oh, oh no. It was very crude and rude and disrespectful. But that's what he does, you know. Yeah. That's, that's how he is. He can't, and he makes money. He made, he made a billion dollars doing it. So it isn't like there's a reason he did it. It's a good reason he did it. He made a billion dollars doing it. So I can't fault him for that. Right. But, <laughs> but I'd rather be with Deanie than him. She's a much kind. She was kind. She was sweet. She was just really nice. She's as nice as she appears on camera, off camera. That's You have such a great memory. Does that correlate with the reading also helps your memory? I could teach you how to remember if you'd like. It's it's all brain-based learning. I could show you how to memorize super fast if you'd like to learn how. I could do it right now. Sure. Is that another thing you teach? Is the Oh, yeah. Reading, writing, memory, math, all of it. It's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. Teach me how to remember things better. <laughs> sure. So I'm going to give you 10 things. I won't show you how, so see how well you do without a system. Okay. Then I'll show you how, and instantly, you'll know everything you couldn't learn in three minutes, backwards and forwards, with no effort. And I'm going to tell you, this isn't just a drill. It's a tool. You will use it. First, let me give you the 10 things. Pole shoes, tricycle, car, glove, gun, dice, skate, cat, bowling pins. I think it's fair to say you don't know all of them right now perfectly in any direction. 
Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Good. Well, you will. In <laughs> fact, this is so simple. Three-year-old children can learn this wow. literally because they've done it. Two caveats. You remember 10% of what you read, 90% of what you say and do. You want to remember this because it's a tool. So when I ask you to say, and our audience say, it'll lock it in. Second, one of the shortcuts to memory, and there are many, was discovered thousands of years ago by the Greeks. If you have a list, you know, it's hanging in your memory, like hangers in closets. So when you do with hangers, you hang things on them. I'm going to bet you can count to 10. And I bet everyone watching can count to 10. And we're going to use 10 numbers to learn 10 things super fast. Are you ready? Yes. Number one looks like a pole, like a flagpole or a lamp pole. When I say one, you say pole. One. Pole. Good. Two is shoes. You wear two shoes. What's two? Shoes. One. Pole. Three is a tricycle. Three wheels. What's three? Tricycle. Two. Shoes. One. Pole. Perfect. Four is a car. Four tires on a car. Four. What's four? Car. Two. Jump to two. Shoes. One. Pull. Three. Tricycle. We're jumping. Does, and you notice you're looking for your pictures. Five is a glove. Five fingers in a glove. What's five? Glove. Three. Tricycle. One. Pull. Going faster. Lucky seven and dice. Lucky seven and dice. Seven dice. Seven. Dice. Five. Look at. Glove. Three. Tricycle. One. Pull. We're almost done. Grimes work. Say eight skate. Oh, skate. Eight skate. Yes. What's eight? Skate. What did they love? Six. What did they love in Texas? Guns? Yeah, guns. Six guns. Right. <laughs> Four. Car. Two. Shoes. Nine lives in a cat. Nine lives in a cat. Nine. What's nine? Cat. Seven's lucky in. Dice. Five is a. Glove. Three is a. Tricycle. One is a. Pole. Ten. How many bowling pins in an alley? Ten. Ten bowling pins. What's ten? Bowling pins. What's one? Pole. Two. Shoes. What's three? Tricycle. What's four? Car. Five. Glove. Six, Texas. Guns. Seven's lucky in. Dice. Eight rhymes with. Oh, my word. What was eight? Roller. Skates. That's it. Nine. That's how you learn, by the way, when you rehearse it. Nine. What has nine lives? Cats. And ten. Bowling pins. Perfect. Now, here's how to use it. It's speed learn numbers. Let's say you're in a hotel and the room is 314. How many times by the time you got out of the hotel, you forgot your room number? Here's how you remember it. You make pictures out of the numbers. Three, tricycle. One, pole. Four, car. Picture a movie. A tricycle hits a pole on a car. See that? Tricycle hits a pole on a car. Tricycle, what number? Three. It's a pole. One. On a car. Four. It's your hotel. Tricycle, pole, car. It's also pi. It's geometry, 3.14. So I teach right. this to kids for science, math, history, business people, due dates, percentages, room numbers, and the zero. This numbers have an alphabet zero to nine. There's different place values, units, tens, but it's a zero to nine. And the zero is the 10 bowling pits. So now you have a way to turn numbers into pictures, make a movie, play the movie, convert back to numbers. And you know how to speed learn numbers. 
Wow. That's beautiful because yeah, I do better when I see things. And we always kind of separated that like, well, I'm a visual learner. Well, I'm not different things, but you're saying we just kind of bring them all together and that helps us. Yeah, huh. but you're right. Vision is the strongest sense. If you study the brain, the largest region of the brain is the visual. Of all the senses, it has more neural connections involved with vision than any other sense. Hmm. So then also, let's as we go back to the reading, is that also visually, how can we be faster readers? How do you do it? I'll answer in two parts. Why do we read slowly? Mm-hmm. And how do we read fast? And then I'll do one more. How do you understand better? Because I think that's more important than speed. So why do we read slowly? When you're in a car going, say, 60, 70 miles an hour, about 120 kilometers if you're in Canada, you're reading the road, front, back, left, and right. Mm-hmm. You're watching your gauges. You're watching your speedometer. You're watching your GPS. You get bored. You turn on the radio. You talk to your friends in the car. You talk on the phone. Sometimes you do all of that at the same time, and you're still bored. <laughs> you read a book about 200 words a minute. That's the norm in one direction in front of you, and you're lucky the next day if you know 10% of what you read. Why is it easier to read in four directions, that high speed in a car, and so slowly in a book? And the reason is, in a car, everything is visual. You see things like a movie. You're taking it in as visual data, analog. When you're hearing a book with your head, you're looking at the words and you're hearing someone in the back of your head pronouncing one word at a time, which is digital. And so we're using our eyes to hear a book instead of see a book. By learning to be more visual, which takes a few hours, and I'll show you how to start in a minute, you can go 100 to 400% faster and actually understand better. And that's why you read slowly. Now I'll show you how to start if you'd like. Yes, please. That'd be awesome. Pick a book you've read, preferably nonfiction. So the only thing that could confuse you is your speed. You already understand the book. So you shouldn't be confused unless you're going too fast. Mm -hmm. Get a timer, read for a minute, and don't do anything special. Just see how far you get. At the end of the minute, mark off with a pencil where you finish. So you now measured how fast you could read. Now the magic. The second chapter, take your hand and go across one line at a time with your eye following your hand, one line at a time. And this is the important part, as fast as you could comprehend. So as long as you know what you read, go quicker and quicker and quicker till you don't. And that's when it got too fast because you should know what you're reading. Right. <laughs> Go down just enough so your comprehension comes back. And for five minutes, as fast as you can comprehend, faster, slower, one line at a time. Now go to the first chapter where you tested yourself. Read for a minute with a timer, using your hand to go as fast as you could comprehend. And you're going to go past that mark that you put there by 20 to 40%. Just doing that one change. That's the first step. The whole thing's in the berglearning.com system, mm-hmm. but that's the first step. It's very easy to do. Anyone can try it and you'll see immediate results. The problem is that's how most speed reading programs work. And it's not what I teach. That's the first step. 
Most of the nets, the first and the last step. <laughs> Doing mechanics. I was on MSNBC about 25 years ago with Dick Cavett. He was a very famous talk show host, like Stephen Colbert, but back in the 70s. Or, I know that name, yeah. He's not as famous today, but he was very famous. And we got talking after the interview, and he said, you know, I interviewed Woody Allen, and he took Evelyn Woods, which was the biggest speed reading program of its kind. And he said he read War and Peace in five minutes, which is enormous. He says, Woody, that's amazing. What do you remember? And Woody said, it's about the Russian Revolution. That's all I remember. And that was speed reading. It's a biology book. I think it's a calculus book. You didn't learn biology. You didn't learn calculus. You just saw what kind of subjects were in the book. And if you slowed down to learn something you didn't know, you lost your speed because it was done through conditioning. Right. I fixed it. The guy who owned Evelyn Woods was Maurice Thompson Jr. He hired me to teach his son my system. He owned Evelyn Woods. He had me teach him my system and said, you've gone past speed reading to speed learning. And I'm going to show you one of the secrets because I took graduate courses in how to teach reading. One of the key things that makes words make sense is called schema. And I'm going to demonstrate it by reading a passage with no schema, which will confuse you, although the words are simple. Then I'm going to read it a second time, one word on the top, a title that has schema, and instantly it'll all make sense. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is the text without schema. Watch how confused you get. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake, and it cost you quite a bit of money. But you bet your life right now you know what I'm talking about. Probably not. I'm going to read it again, this time with a one-word title, and everything will make sense. You ready? Mm -hmm. Here's the schema. Laundry. Laundry. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home. But you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake and may cost you quite a bit of money. Are you confused now? No. Wow. So I'm teaching people the psychology your brain uses to make sense, anything. So you can read very technical material like law or medicine or chemistry two, three, four times faster and actually understand it as well or better because you're using the brain's natural way of making sense on a page, not just seeing words on a page. Mm. And that's one of the key differences. And that means you can slow down to learn a new word or an idea and immediately go fast again. Where in the past, you had to go fast always or never. And that was not practical because you had to slow down when you didn't know something and then you lost your speed. It doesn't happen now. Wow. That's amazing. Because you're right. Every time I would try to read, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and read fast. And then I would not comprehend or remember anything. And then when I, I would read the same paragraph five times, especially if there's noise around me, I'm like, oh, actually, how do you do that? If there's, if let's say you're reading, like you're with a talk show host and you're competing with them or they're competing with you and they're making noise and talking and blah, blah, blah. Can you still kind of tune them out? I'll show you how. And actually, that's what I did. When I was reading the healthcare bill for 50 minutes, Cavuto was interviewing Nancy Pelosi, John <laughs> Boehner, 
Cantor. They were much more interesting than the legal bill. It's all legalese for 1,500 pages. I bet. <laughs> but if I was listening to them and not learning the bill, I'd look like a, a moron. So tell me what's in it. And I said, I don't know, but you had a really good conversation <laughs> with Nancy. I mean, you actually wanted me to tell him what's in the bill. So I, what I did, I was when I got out of college and I studied psychobiology, I, I studied meditation and yoga. And I learned how to focus and concentrate. So I tuned out all the sounds except when he said Howard. It's when he said Howard, it was about me. And I needed to pay attention. Otherwise, I didn't hear it. I have no idea what they were talking about. I didn't hear anything because I, all I saw was the book. Everything else disappeared. Now, that's called emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Critical. And that's one of the things I'm going to teach. And I'll show you how in a moment. Imagine I teach you to drive. And you're ready to pass your road test. And you call up and say, I failed. Why? I got nervous. Oh, yeah. It was a road test. You know anyone ever got nervous on a test? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's emotional intelligence. What if I didn't just teach you to drive, but how to stay calm taking the road test? Do you think more people would finish successfully? Mm-hmm. Let me show you how to wake up. When I trained the special forces in Canada, the U.S., and uh, Thailand, I spent a lot of time on emotion. They're very well trained. If they don't remember what they learned, they could get killed. Sometimes they're awake three or four days in a row without sleep to do their mission. And if they get too tired and don't know what they were told, they could get killed. So I'm going to show you a way to wake up instantly. We know the left side of the brain controls the right and the right the left. Do this with me. Take your left hand, touch your right shoulder, and do this with me. And your right hand, touch your left, alternating. It's like the Macarena (laughs) without the music. It's also a brain massage. Now, ideally, we should stand, but I won't do that now. You're probably in sweatpants. And also, we'll just see your navel, so it's okay. But now you touch it with your your hand to your knee, left to right, right to left. But later, when we're not on the air, if you're standing, your knee will move when your hand is moving. So both sides of your brain will be doing something. Grab your thumb like I am and say this like you mean it. I feel great. Yes. I feel great. Yes. Yes. If you go, I feel great. That's how you'll feel. You got to feel it to make it. Okay. True. We're going to do three sets of these. And when you're done, I'll show you to wake up when you're taking a test. Wake up when you're going to class after work or driving in traffic, which I know in Toronto, you're not too far. Tons of traffic. And I've been <laughs> there many, many times. For my, I'm going to say there are two favorite cities Toronto and San Diego. San Diego had better weather. I mean, no one's going to say Toronto has better weather than San Diego. Toronto, to me, was New York City without the crime. It was a wonderful city. So we're going to do three sets of these, three sets of six. Ready? Starting with the shoulders. One, two, three, four, five, six. Knee taps. One, two, three, four, five. Six. How do you feel? Great. You feel great. Yay. Yes. We're going to do another one now, a little faster. Ready? Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? Great. I feel great. Yay. Yes. Now, this time as fast as you can. When you're standing, get away from a desk so you don't bang your knees. Ready? <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. How do you feel? Wonderful. Great. <laughs> 
Now, you know what happens when you do this three times? Nothing. Now, you probably would like something. <laughs> so let me show you how it works. Remember Pavlov? He rang a bell. That's our rotary bell. He rang a bell. He fed a dog. He rang a bell. He fed a dog. He rang a bell. And the dog drove. You don't want to drove. You do want to feel great. You want to be in an important meeting. Try to wake up by standing up in the middle of the meeting and start tapping yourself. Okay, <laughs> something very wrong. You grab your thumb and you say to yourself, I feel great. Yes, this is your bell. The latest studies show habits take 90 days, not 30 days. So every day for 90 days, slow, medium, fast, slow, medium, fast. Now you're in an important meeting. You just grab that thumb. I feel great. Yes, the brain remembers every time you did it, you woke up and you wake up. Mm. And that's where I was teaching the military how to wake up, how to calm down. So what I'm doing is I'm showing people how to read faster, how to use the psychology to make better sense out of what they're reading and analyze things that confuse them to make sense of them, what to look for and how to know when you found it. So you don't learn everything except what people want you to know on a test or at a meeting. And that's really bad. You study for hours and you don't know any answers. How to stay in the right state so you don't get tense or nervous when you're using the information. And how to remember it so you can use it when you need it. And when you put all that together, now it's not just speed reading. It's about learning. And which reading plays a role, but it's not just for reading. It's for e-books. It's for lectures. It's for any kind of learning. Wow. That's really what I'm doing. That's really important. Um I mean, generally, but also, I mean, you're probably seeing there's more and more and more young people with anxiety. And I know my generation, there's a lot of us. So I had a hard time at different at school, at different jobs. When I was in training, I couldn't retain the information because my anxiety was so bad. I would freeze my brain. It would freeze my brain and then I'd get in trouble. So you're probably seeing that a lot more now when you're talking to people, right? It's a very good point you raised. There was a study done in Russia and showed the state you're in when you learn is the state you need to be in when you use it. So they gave people vodka and had them, while they were drunk, memorize nonsense words. And of course, they remembered them eventually. And then when they sobered up, they didn't remember any words. But if you got them drunk again, they remembered them again. Wow. So that's why the military shoots real bullets. They want you to be terrified like you will be when they're shooting real bullets. Mm. So when they're teaching you not to get your head blown off, you remember it. Now, you learned it while you were calm and relaxed, and now they're shooting real bullets and you're terrified. You don't remember anything they told you. Please, the fire department, they all train in simulations that are very scary and very dangerous to simulate real-life conditions. Well, when you study at home, where it's safe, you're in your pajamas, you're, you're in your bathrobe, your slippers, you're comfortable, you're having cocoa. Then you go to that cold, sterile boardroom or <laughs> classroom. Yeah. It's a totally different emotional state, and the matches don't line up anymore. And so your brain isn't recalling as well because you're in a different state than you were in when you learned. And EQ is so important in business. People are telling us what to do, but we're in the wrong frame of mind to do it. It won't work. If you're nervous or tense or frightened, can't remember, what matters now is you can't perform what they told you. Even though the information was solid, your brain isn't cooperating. So 
people in business need to start not just telling people what they need to do, but how to get in the right state of mind to do it. And not just tell them things they need to know, but how to remember it when they need to know it. How many times by the time you got home, you didn't remember what they told you? Right. And it didn't work. What do you think happens when you tell people things they need to know? (laughs) You can't just assume that giving people information is the end. Tell them how to remember it. Use words they understand that have schematic significance to them. Show them how to get in the right frame of mind to use it successfully. And suddenly your referrals will go through the roof and your clients will be thrilled and your kids will get higher grades. And mom, grandpa and grandpa won't turn into vegetables when they get older. I'm 72. I don't feel like I'm senile or in any way, shape or form. I'm writing, I'm lecturing, I'm doing things every day. And I challenge myself with something difficult like quantum physics or something really hard. So it's like lifting weights for your brain. Your brain's like, what the hell was that? (laughs) But that's what makes you stay smart. Because yeah. it's struggling to comprehend something that's just out of reach. It's You can almost understand it, but not quite. You have to stretch your thinking to get there. And that makes your brain work at a higher level. And if people would do more of that, they would get more done. Most people think you make more money by working more hours or more jobs. No, you don't work more hours and more jobs. You learn how to learn. And then you learn something that pays better. So you work less hours and make more money. Not more hours, less hours. Elon Musk reads two books a day. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Jack Ma, Oprah Winfrey, one book a day. Whose bank account would you rather have, theirs or yours? What are they doing every day? They're learning. Now, reading doesn't guarantee success, but not knowing anything guarantees failure. Yeah. Every decision you make is based on what. So it's key in an information based economy to learn and understand so you can evolve as things change. And they said in the next 20, 10 to 20 years, 30% of all the jobs will disappear. You drive a truck, it'll be a machine. They don't sleep, they don't get paid, they don't need vacation. Why would they want a human being who needs to sleep every few hours driving the truck? A machine will do it. What are the 5 million truck drivers supposed to do? Come neurosurgeons? Realistically, it's not going to happen. Waiters, waitresses. Every store you go in, there's more and more automated checkout lines. There won't be people. It's changing. The jobs people with low education were able to get are disappearing rapidly. What are they going to do? How do they feed themselves and house themselves? There's no jobs. Mm-hmm. The only option is to learn something that you can make a living at. And that's what I'm teaching. Imagine if you read a book a day every day for the next year. Every day you learned a new skill. Every day. Where would you be a year from now? 10 years from now? 20 years from now? Would you be better off than you are now? Mm-hmm. I think the answer anyone could say is yes. Yes. That's what it's about. They go to berglearning.com. They have some free lessons to get them started to see how well it works. That's so amazing. 
Because I, yeah, I have so many books on my bookshelf. I'm like, ah, I don't have the time to read them. And I will now. <laughs> well, now you'll be able to read a book in at least an hour. Wow. Very easily. I mean, she's 84. She read three books in three hours. And I can tell by looking at you are not 84. No. <laughs> and maybe I can actually read War and Peace. I've always wanted to, but I'm like, oh man, that's huge. <laughs> and I teach you how to do that. When you get to the boring parts, you speed them up. That's what I did in Lord of the Rings. You know, like yes, me too. All the parts were there, and I I saw the movies first, so I could picture it. But when it was going on about the landscape, I was like, blah 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 blah. Get me to the real stuff. There you go. That's exactly it. <laughs> you're you're hundred percent on. You speed up the spot. You know what's going on. It's not that you don't know. You just don't care. Yeah. And you want to get past it to something that. Show me the real stuff. That's kind of hard for people with OCD, though, because we feel like I have a little bit of that where I feel like I need to read. I used to have to read like, oh, the dedication and oh, this and I have to read the back cover. And I'm a little less now, but I'm. Do you find that with some people that they have a hard time if they're very. That's EQ. Okay. That's emotional intelligence. Exactly. Although I'll be honest with you, you should read the introduction and you should read the back cover. That's part of what makes it easier to learn. But that's in the whole program. But yes, I do read those things. Mm. It's the only place where the writer talks about themselves and not the book. Mm. And I want to know what's going on in their brain that might make them prejudiced, pro or con the subject. It helps me to better understand, do they have an ulterior motive? I'll give a good example. Karl Marx had boils. He couldn't sit because that's where his boils were. So he wrote the Communist Manifesto standing, sometimes really? 10, 15 hours a day. Wow. If you're familiar with his work, did he seem happy to you? If you couldn't sit down, if you couldn't sit down for 10, 15 hours a day, how happy would you be? <laughs> not. <laughs> Is that a relevant fact? Well, you're not going to read about it in the book. You'll read about it in the forward mm. or the introduction. And it gives you some insights into the thinking process of the writer that helps you better appreciate where it doesn't mean you don't read it, but you can see if there's an alternative goal or motive. And then you can read it more objectively and not be indoctrinated. Don't believe everything you read. What I tell people is you look for the ethos. Where did it come from? Where did these facts come from? How do you know that person knows what they're talking about? Right. Who has different facts? What are they? Why are they disagreeing? How do you know those aren't right? You have to start looking beyond one person's opinion and believing it is gospel. You have to start looking at multiple, it's called syntopical learning, multiple books. And then you start seeing points and counterpoints and start thinking on a deeper level. You stop believing and you start looking for proof and evidence and facts, and examples, and correlations, so that you're making better choices, not based on somebody's opinion. And that's what we're seeing a lot of in... God, it's all you see today. It's, I've never seen so much stupid in my life. The things that people are doing to them. I've had three neighbors die in three weeks, oh. taking horse medicine. I mean, it's just insane. To cure COVID or... yeah. Oh my goodness, no. Yeah, they took the IV mectin. It's just worthless. It's you might as well take a cookie. Oh, my cousin promotes that. Yeah, I know. 
It's not a treatment. There's been seven papers on it, and they've all been debunked, Mm. unscientifically valid. I'm not saying you shouldn't read about it, but do your research. Yeah. Find out what, when you're really sick, do you want a politician doing your heart surgery or a vascular surgeon? Okay. When people say masks are stupid, then next time you need surgery, tell your surgeon to be liberated and not wear one because they don't work. And don't wear gloves either. And don't worry about washing. Stupid. What do you think? How many people would die in surgery as a result of that? Those things do work. That's why you would never want a surgeon doing it without a mask or gloves. It's just ludicrous. I mean, people could have different opinions, small government, big government, low taxes, more taxes. These things have been around since there's been government. There's nothing wrong with feeling one way or the other. Those are valid counterpoints. You can make good arguments for both, but some things just don't make any sense. See, facts are facts. Mm-hmm. Masks do lower infection rates and shots do lower. It's not a perfect thing, but it's better than dying. And people are dying. And it makes me sad. They die for no reason because they won't take the time to learn the facts. Learning from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. And yeah, I mean, I see different things and I would hear, okay, there's this side, because that's what I grew up with. You have to be on this side, like the right wing, whatever. And as I started to think for myself and be like, yeah, wait, why? Why is it this? I've heard different. Why are people on this side saying this? And I started to listen to that side. And then I have to choose like which one is more. Right. But it's so important. I wish we weren't. I wish I hadn't grown up just like that side's evil, this side good. Because what does that help anybody? <laughs> Neither evil. We need both. We need both. We need both. We need someone saying, how are you going to pay for that? Yeah. It's expensive. How are you going to pay for it? There's nothing wrong with asking that. That's a really fair question to be asking. Where's the money coming from? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. I mean, yeah, free college sounds great, but who's paying for it? Right. It's got to be more than just a good idea. Everybody gets a million dollars a year income. Sounds great. Where's it coming from? So, yeah, you need what was different was they used to talk. So back when Johnson was president, he was a genius. He wasn't a nice person. Right. But he was a genius. So they'd say, oh, here's 20 things. Here's 10 we both want. So let's just say that's a done deal. Here's five I want you hate. Here's five you want I hate. I'm giving you those five. You give me my five. You all go home and say, look, we've got 20 things done. That's how they used to do it. They would compromise. One side would give in on some things they didn't want. One side would give on they didn't want. But the end was things got done. When you don't even talk to the other people, or you turn them into monsters for having a different opinion, you can't run a country like that. It's it's un- It can't be done. It divides. It simply can't. It's beyond divided. It's inefficient. People are dying, literally dying, because of some of the stupid things being done right now. And it's unnecessary. And both sides have valid points. The beauty is that you can take the best of both, the best of both, and combine them. We'd all be better. 
I believe you need both. You need someone saying it's too soon, it's too much, and someone saying let's try it. And between those two forces, it moves forward gradually, but in a non a non-threatening way that allows society to you can't run the country the way you did it in 1776. They didn't have electricity. <laughs> they didn't have cars or planes. I mean, it's a different world. Mm-hmm. The rules that worked then cannot work now. Some can, still can't kill people. That's a good <laughs> thing. Can't rob a bank. That didn't change. Right. But things are different. It's a different world. And wars have to evolve as society grows and changes. And if we don't, we don't have a society. We have chaos. And we're on the verge of chaos right now. And that's really sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping if I teach more people how to think and learn and understand, they'll communicate with each other again and make better decisions and better choices. I'm not telling people what to believe or think. I'm just saying, look at the facts and think for yourself. Don't let some idiot do it for you who doesn't know what they're talking about. And that's what I'm seeing a lot. People are making a lot of money spreading false truths. Mm-hmm. I'll give a good I was on Fox nine times. 90% of the people at Fox have been vaccinated. 90%. Hmm. And the 10% who haven't need a test every day. They can't go to work without testing negative. And then they go on the air and tell people not to get shots. <laughs> they just got one. Oh, gosh. I mean, that's sad. People should know this. I'm not making these things up. That's reality. Yeah. They do need to. They've got their shots or they're testing. And then they're telling everyone watching, you don't need one. Yeah. That's sad. That's really sad. And it makes you do better than that. And there's nothing wrong with being conservative. Lots of people are, and it's got some valid points. Like I said, how do you pay for that? That's not a bad question. I mean, you need to ask questions like that when you're spending trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. How are you going to pay for that? But you need to ask it when the other guy was in office too and spent $8 trillion. Right. And nobody cared. It does matter. It's not one is okay and the other isn't. It's either not okay or it is okay. You know, be consistent. Yeah. And we do that, right? So-and-so's in, oh, we're not going to ask these questions. But the next person who does it, we are because they're a different party. <laughs> terrible. All of a sudden, it's terrible. And that's not right either. I, I don't know. Thinking that way is wrong. But be consistent. Be consistent. Be honest. And that's something we're not seeing a lot of today. And that's on both sides to some extent, really. Yeah. Well, Howard, you are a delight to to speak with and I've learned so much and I'm going to go check out your website. So it's Berg Learning, B-E-R-G Learning. By the way, we have a support team. If you need help, when they can, I do. I personally help because I want to know what's wrong and I fix it. And over 35 years, I fixed it enough. There's not a lot people have trouble with anymore. When they do, I need to know so I can make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. And can you plug your three books that you have? I don't really. I'm more in the audio video program, I think. Okay. Because uh, reading is a visual skill. And watching me show them, what, telling them how to move their hand and showing them how to move their hand, it's not really the same. True. And I think they get more. And, and there's a lot of 
exercises that are for practice in different reading materials. So I give them little balls. It's like I wrote a book that goes with the video. And the video makes the visual material easier to learn, and the practice drills give them more practical application where they're reading and using it. So it's it's really, and we chunked it into seven weeks, but short, 10 minutes a day. Mm. So you can, I don't have enough time. No, you can do 10 minutes a day for seven weeks. Right. Learn 100% faster the rest of your life. I think you could do that. Amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to check it out because I need to Thank you. catch up on my book reading. So <laughs> thank you. Have me back. We'll learn how to write a book in a day. Okay. I need that too. I want to read more books. How to be a genius. <laughs> how to be a genius. That's another one I could teach. It's learnable. You can learn to be a genius. Awesome. Thank you so much, Howard. Howard Berg, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I look forward to helping you make more money, help your kids finish school and keep grandma and grandpa from becoming into vegetables because that's a real loss. We need those people and we need them healthy. And using your brain is the best way to stay young as you grow older. Reading turns out is the single best way to keep your brain healthy and young as you're aging. Mm -hmm. It's been proven. Double blind. It was a study that Baltimore and Seattle longitudinal study on aging which I read in 90 seconds, 25 years ago. Wow. (laughs) Thank you so much, Howard. Bye. Thanks for having me. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to my amazing editor, German, at Your Podcast Editor. You can check him out on Instagram and Twitter. He edits the audio conversations I have with my guests, and he does such an amazing job. And he is such a nice person, very encouraging. So check him out at Your Podcast Editor. If you want to help support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review as it helps other people to find the podcast and listen as well. There is also, financially, if you want to help support the podcast, you can check out buymeacoffee.com backslash podcast. Come follow me on the socials on Twitter at Steph underscore Ann underscore web, on Instagram, Stephanie underscore Ann underscore web, and you can check out my website www.stephanieandweb.com, where you can check out the podcast, my blog, and I also have a link on there to buy my children's book, What Should Dragon Do? The main character in the book is called Dragon, and her adventure is living with her two bear roommates. The book consists of three little stories of different circumstances, living with people, and how the tiny things can drive us crazy, and our emotions, and how we react can affect others. I appreciate you. I thank you so much for listening. Now go out there and make it a great day. Bye.